So on a weekend in which AEW held its full gear pay-per-view and the Jets lost in honestly comical fashion in a way that the only the Jets can lose. Uh, it's been a wild couple days. It is officially Thanksgiving as we're recording right now. Welcome everyone to Pucks and Brews. I am your host, as always, Michael Sparacino, joined once again by Liam the chill master Gautamer. I will never get tired of that nickname that Brendan gave you. And uh, yeah, by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be Black Friday. But uh, Liam, happy Thanksgiving. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Shade. Same to you. Uh, It's great to be back on Pucks and Brews and uh, just ready to talk some hockey, man. Yeah, it's it's been a little while. It has, it has, it certainly has. And uh, just real quick, I mean, the Jets, I mean, just what an absolute joke. I mean, Zach Wilson, what an absolute joke. I know it's a hockey podcast, but I could not be more thankful that Mike White is starting on Sunday. Uh, and wrestling uh, certainly has been very good to us too over the last couple of weeks. So right on with everything you said. Yeah, I'm so glad I was able to attend the show on Saturday night. It was very fun. And I somehow have a habit of making friends, which I'll save that. I have a story, which I will save until the very end of the podcast. You will enjoy this. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. So just one last thing about the freaking Jets game. Like that loss, just me. I was watching it with my dad. As soon as they scored, the Patriots scored with five seconds left, it just sucked the life out of both of us for the rest of the day. It's just like only, only the Jets. Only the Jets for sure, and you know what? Once uh, they broke a couple tackles on that uh, on that punt return, you just knew he was off to the races, and the uh, football game was over. So I was watching on my phone. I turned it off real quick. You know, short memory. Yeah, but what a, what a terrible Sunday it was after such a great Saturday night. And, and <laughs> anyway, so I I guess let's just hop in to the uh, most recent tidbit of news with the Rangers, and then we'll come back around to them later for different reasons. Ryan Reeves traded to the Minnesota Wild for a 2025 fifth-round pick. Uh, they initially traded a third-round pick to get him in... I forgot to uh, double-check the year of that draft pick, but I'm pretty sure it was a 2023, or was it 2022? I would I would have said 2023. That's what I thought it was. Um, All right. Yeah, this is what I get for not double checking, but I'm checking that right now. We traded him to the wild. So, I mean, initial thoughts. I mean, it's a 2022 third round pick in 2022. So that 2020. Pick- okay. So we trade him for a 20. No, we trade a 2022 third round pick for him, and then we trade him for a 2025 fifth so obviously let's not sugarcoat it we lost value there and we're not going to know what this pick is for probably i mean fifth round pick at least until probably 2029 but he was basically scratched almost the entire month and played one game obviously didn't have a role on the team with his coaching staff what are your thoughts Yeah, Molly Walker does an outstanding job covering the Rangers, uh, you know, and she came out and said that uh, Reeves' agent asked for a trade uh, once they landed in L.A. 
Um, so I'm not entirely surprised. Like you said, I mean, he was scratched the entire month. Uh, he just wasn't getting the playing time. Obviously the Rangers wanted to go in a different direction in their bottom six. They don't want to have the slow footed grinder type guys. You know, they want to get younger players who play with speed like Julian Gauthier, who's really uh, come out and had a good last couple of weeks. So I think, you know, that, you know, just combined with Reeves kind of just wearing his time out uh, in New York, you know, led to this trade. Yes, when you look back at it, you lose value, of course, trading uh, a third round pick for Reeves and then receiving a fifth round pick back a couple of years later. But Shades, you could say that the Rangers garnered uh, a lot of valuable playoff experience during last year's run. And I'm not entirely sure, you know, how far the Rangers really get without Reeves and his impact. And I'm not talking on the ice because, of course, you know, you look at all the advanced metrics and stuff like that. He provides zero value outside of fighting. But in that locker room, he really helped bring a team that didn't have a captain at the time last year together. Uh, and I think those attributes helped helped lead this team to the Eastern Conference final. So, yes, you lose value. But in my opinion, over those two years, the Rangers gained value. Ryan Reeves filled the need over the last two years to bring that physicality, bring the locker room together. And he did all those things. Yeah, I find it uh, kind of funny how you said uh, they're thinking about going in a different direction. Meanwhile, when Drury traded for him initially, he initially also gave him a one-year extension, which at the time was questionable. And that's kind of what screwed our cap situation. And, you know, let me just also say that this gives the Rangers a little bit of room to maneuver come the trade deadline because shades. I mean, well, they need to make a move. They need a top six winger. That's just it. They need uh, a different winger. Panarin is just not uh, where he should be at for the type of player that he is and the talent that he has and his line mates directly attribute to that. So we'll circle back to it, but I think it's all connected. Yeah, they need, I mean, I think they need to make multiple trades, but that's another story for a couple months from now. So let's, I mean, let's move on to something that's way, way bigger. The New Jersey Devils just had their 13-game win, win streak snapped last night. Remember, record, we're recording on Thanksgiving. So I saw the highlights. I saw the disallowed goals. The first and third one, those two should not have been called off. I have seen where goalies have been barreled over and those goals have stood. But the fact that all three. Now, the second one, don't get me wrong. Second one should have been called off. They made the right call on that one. First and third one, though. I mean, Murray gets his skate tapped on the first one. And there is literally nothing preventing him from making that save. Still, goal still gets disallowed, gets called back. And the ref faked the Devils and the Devils fans out big time, which made it even more not right. But I'm... You can't make that stuff up. I'm actually kind of glad that happened. Not for Devils fans, just because it's a funny moment in general. And then the third one with the kick. I mean, he he literally did not kick it toward the open net. He was literally he was literally kicking it in front of the net, but it clearly was not gonna go in. Something touched it. I mean, I me personally, I would have counted that goal. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the third one, I, I kind of disagree with, uh, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it is a distinct kicking motion. Now, I agree with you in the fact that maybe intentionally he was not trying to kick it directly into the net. But how are you as the referees or the, the situation room in Toronto going to determine intent? If you are that close to the crease and have an opportunity to maneuver the puck with your skate, I don't think he's trying to do anything else. 
but score. I mean, and I, I think that's kind of where the situation room came from. But I think there's definitely a fine line that needs to be determined, both with the kicking motion reviews uh, and, um, you know, goalie interference as well. But on the other two, I certainly agree with you. The second one, I think they made the right call. But on the first one, I thought that was a little bit uh, of an iffy uh, decision, in my opinion. And look, yes, the referee did fake them out, right? And I didn't think that helped the fans at the Prudential Center. But let me just get this out of the way. That can't happen at a professional hockey game, okay? It happened in two different stints uh, after the third goal was disallowed and after the game was over, after the Maple Leafs had won, uh, the fans were still throwing debris at the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, it's just unacceptable. And, you know, me and you are from the tri-state area shades and, you know, it just, it's not a good look. It's just not a good look uh, on an area that, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of leeway uh, with uh, people around the NHL. You know, people look down upon us, the Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York area, and this is why. And it takes away from our game. And, you know, we're we're here for the love of it. Whether, you know, you get three disallowed goals, you get three goals based off reviews. You know, that's just a game of hockey, you know. That's just my opinion. I mean, it was really, really embarrassing for the New Jersey Devils and the state of New Jersey last night, truly. And it's really a shame because they had won 13 games. The franchise is rejuvenated. There's finally fans coming to the Prudential Center again. I mean, you know, they're just really excited. And it was kind of just ruined uh, with one loss, three disallowed goals, and multiple beer cans thrown onto the ice. What do you think? I mean, are you with me? I, you know. Oh no, we're both one hundred percent in agreement on the first one because that just there's that's just a an abysmal call, an atrocious call. Let's face, I mean, let's call a spade a spade on that one. Third one, I mean, we're still a little bit of a disagreement because I still remember. Oh God, I'm still having PTSD back to the Ottawa series, where, yeah, it's just like. It gets kicked toward the net and then goes off like like pinball 17 things and goes in, yeah. which is, I mean, I'll be honest with you at the time, like I understood why, because it did hit like 15 people before it went into the net. So like you can't get too mad on that. But I don't know. I just have a big thing of like if you're kicking it and it's not going directly in and the other team knocks it in, I, in my opinion, that should count. That's just and I, yeah. And I think that's where, you know, people need to get together and they need to discuss this. And, you know, this is what it is and this is what it isn't because all this in between BS, this is why we're having so many problems and it doesn't ha happen often. But last night was one of the few occasions where video review and, you know, the inability to make a line between what it is and what it isn't for both goalie interference and kicking the puck into the net. It determined the outcome of that game. Yes, and unfortunately, it happened to be a very, very big game where the New Jersey Devils were creeping closer and closer until history, uh, you know, the NHL record of 17 wins uh, by the 92-93 Penguins. So, you know, that's it's just bad timing. And uh, yeah, and it really determined the outcome of that game, because I think if everything was called right shades, I wouldn't be surprised if the New Jersey Devils are winners right now. So that's just where we're at. Yeah, the game should have at least gone into overtime. But I mean... At this point, it's kind of a moot point because yeah, the win streak is over and done with. And I did, I did want to see them chase. Was it is it seventeen or eighteen? I believe it's seventeen. I can fact check that. But uh, I was watching a hockey guy video yesterday. That's why I was able to pull the seventeen from the ninety two ninety three Penguins. Um, but uh, I can. Uh, I can. Yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy that guy's videos. He puts 17. out some very solid content. Cannon is. Uh, Probably one one of the, or if not the smartest per people, uh, hockey people in the community. He's fantastic. And yeah, that's not 
in the actual industry. Yes, that's not in the actual industry. He started that from the bottom and uh, I've watched his channel grow and grow and grow. And now he's the number one content creator, you know, not affiliated with a major network uh, in hockey. That's incredible. That's, only, that's, that's the inspiration, right? Shades? If only that was us right now. <laughs> I, you know, it could be, you never know. Hey. I just gotta get my eyes. Hey, maybe. And I, w- I mean, I have the time right now. I'm just too friggin' lazy. <laughs> That's the thing with Chad. He watches every single game. He writes yes. it on the board. The guy absolutely grinds and uh, he gets the, the benefits for sure. Yeah, I don't have an ESPN Plus account. So I actually, I legitimately can't watch all the games. There you go. Yeah. And here, this is a side, like a side tangent, but I, for the love of God, NHL Network. Is if there's literally one game on, like show the live coverage at like twelve thirty in the morning for the love of God. I don't need to see highlight. I want to see the one game that's actually on. Anyway, okay, side rant over. So obviously we just touched upon the Devils and how their losing streak came, to, well, came to a crashing halt. But I want to talk about another team. The Bruins had a seven-game win streak as well. That also was recently ended. And we've been on the opposite side of the spectrum with losing streaks as well. I mean, the Senators lost like seven or eight in a row. Uh, there, there was another team that lost like six or... Oh, the St. Louis Blues. They went on an extended losing streak a couple then, weeks back. And now they're on a six-game winning streak right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, you just... You never know with professional sports. Like especially football playoffs, but that's a whole different story. But I mean, dear Lord, I mean, look at the senators are literally last in the league right now. Oh, no, I lied. Second to last, but look at Vancouver. They, they lost like six in a row or seven in a row to start the season. Anaheim, dear Lord, I was ready to punch somebody last night. Anaheim literally went, what was it? 20 games, 19 games without a regulation win (laughs) and we finally give it to them so there's been just i mean there's been a lot of streaks seattle's been on fire lately too vegas is also 16 4 and 1 i'm pretty sure they had a seven a six or seven game win streak at one point i mean we're in bizarro world (laughs) we really are and, you know, uh, there's a lot of teams underachieving around the NHL. Just when you really just look at it, I mean, the Flyers have come back down to earth. The Penguins haven't been very good. They have 10 wins in 20 games. You know, you have the Capitals, you know, who are seventh in the Metropolitan Division. The Blue Jackets have been horrible. Everyone expected the Senators to make the playoffs. They're last in the Atlantic. The Sabres are having a really tough time of it. The Canadians are barely above water. The Panthers are just two games over 500. You know, if you look at the Western Conference, I mean, Predators are, are not good. The Wild are not good. The Blues had a seven-game losing streak. I mean, you know, the Canucks, the Sharks, the Ducks, the Oilers, the Flames are all struggling to the point where the Kraken are the second-best team in the Pacific. I mean, things really got to shake out the way they're going to be at the end of the year. And Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, is usually the timeline for that. I don't know. I mean, the NHL looks like a mid-off right now. Uh hmm me outside of a few uh outstanding teams i mean just nobody is taking you know the brass ring right the wrestling term for you uh <laughs> nobody is taking that right now and uh i'm gonna be very interested to see who it is 
Because I don't think the Kraken are the second best team in the Pacific. I don't know about you. But uh well, I'll give them credit though. They have looked better than I thought they would this season. And that's yeah. And that's even with the Shane Wright situation going on. And good for Shane Wright. You know, he goes down to uh uh Coachella Valley, right? Uh on a conditioning loan. And he um Yeah, actually, yeah, you wanna just transition into that at the, at this point? Yeah, we can. So, yeah. So for those who haven't heard, uh Shane Wright was basically played I think it was the first seven games of the season for the Kraken, uh, got scratched for two weeks to be eligible to be loaned to the AHL for a conditioning stint. And the only other option here was to send him back down to junior for the rest of the season, which, I, let's face it, that was not the best move for his development. This probably is the best move right now. And I was talking, or, excuse me, I was listening to a clip from uh, Steve Dangle's podcast and how they were saying how this is such a flawed agreement between the NHL and the WHL, which I agree because, I mean, Shane Wright, he had like one and a half points per game in the WHL. He's too good for that league. I need to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I think he is too good for the WHL. But with that said, I do actually think he is in need of, you know, some more development. I don't think he's an NHL player at this point. And it's going to be a very interesting decision uh, to see, you know, what the Kraken decide to do, right? You know, at the end of that seven-day conditioning loan, because he goes down to Coachella Valley. He plays in his first game. He scores a beautiful breakaway goal. So what are you going to do now, right? Are you going to send him back down to the WHL? Is he going to go back to juniors or is he going to stay with the NHL club? Are you going to burn a year off his ELC? Uh, for me, if I'm the Kraken, I don't do that. I only burn a year off his ELC if he's very close to becoming an NHL player. And one game in Coachella Valley and one goal doesn't tell me that he's close, you know, just in my opinion. You know, I, I don't think he should be back in juniors either. Um, but I think the Kraken are between the rock and the hard place with how they handle the development of this player. So, I mean... Good for him for right now. I hope he lights it up in that seven-day conditioning stint. But past that, I'm not really sure what the future holds, at least this season uh, for Shane Wright. Yeah. No, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out. And actually, for those of you who have been actually keeping up with the podcast for a long time, uh, back when I had you, Ryan, and Justin on, right. this, so I was on Chirp and Chat with them this past Monday, and I went through – all of the number four drafted players dating back to Kale McCarr. And here's what you guys need to know. I actually did research. Kale McCarr did not play regular season games the first two seasons after being drafted, but made his debut in the 2019 playoffs, which in, in effect burned an entry-level year off his contract. 2018, it was... Well, I'm already blanking on to this is bad. 28 who the hell was drafted? I I'm, I usually know this stuff right off the top of my head. I don't know why I'm blanking so bad. Is that the uh that was the year after he and Patrick, right? Yes. Okay, so it was Brady Kachuk who played right away for the Senators. 2019, it was can my dude? I have oh, a group chat going off right now that is just absolutely annoying the hell out of me. Byron went fourth in 2019. Yes, he did not play right away, but he needed some development time. But he is currently on the Avalanche roster, and well, let's face it, 
he looks like a budding star on a pretty on a still very good Avalanche team. 2020. Oops, I accidentally looked up 2022. I'll bring up 2022. 2020 was Lucas Raymond. 2020 was Lucas Raymond. Who did he? I, I in the NHL. He played in the NHL at least last year. Okay. Uh, I yeah, I'll double check his thing. And then 2021, it was. Ay, ay, ay. I I should have kept all these tabs open. Twelve points in nineteen games for uh, for Lucas Raymond. You want to know who's actually doing pretty good this year for Detroit? Dominic Kubalik. Kubalik. Ah, got... it was it was Luke Hughes in twenty twenty one, who still has yet to sign his entry level deal, number four. And lastly, to round this off, twenty twenty. It was. Uh, it was. No, not, not. I hate Google. Like I love and hate Google. Twenty twenty. It was. No, not Jake Sanderson. No, twenty. Oh, fucking hell! It, you're right. It was Lucas Raymond. I. I'm sorry. Uh, it's too. <laughs> I got barely any sleep, and I'm just fucking... Okay. So, 2017, Kale McCarr. 2018, Brady Kachuk. Played right away. 2019, Lucas Raymond. He did not play right away. He spent one season uh, in development. 2021, it was Luke Hughes, who has yet to sign his entry-level deal. And 2022, obviously, is Shane Wright. So my take on this, it depends on the draft class and how actually ready a player is. And this can literally vary from year to year. I mean, you have the current reigning Norris winner, drafted fourth overall, who literally did not play in the NHL for two whole regular seasons. So it's literally, like I said also, and I've said this many times before, the draft is an educated crapshoot, and they're all lottery tickets. Many of them, yes, I would agree with you. Many of them are uh, lottery tickets indeed. And, uh, you know, I think there is a precedent with uh, number four overall picks for sure. And I think it comes down to the team need, right? You know, I think the Seattle Kraken are a surprise, I guess you could say contender. I mean, they're second best in the Pacific Division. How long that lasts? I mean, we'll see. But does Shane Wright fit into their current plans to elevate them as a playoff team? No, not really. I mean, sticking a number four overall pick who has no NHL experience on the fourth line as you're making a playoff push is not beneficial for the team nor the player. Um, and I think that there's no shame uh, in going back for development. I mean, if you saw Cam McCarr, I mean, he did the same thing, right, back in college. Um uh, so, you know, if Shane Wright goes back to the WHL, is he a little bit too good for that league? I guess you could say so, um, but it's not going to stunt his development by any means. And let's also remember, you know, the reason why Shane Wright fell in the draft was because in juniors, he didn't really have that all that impressive of a season, you know, last year. So I'd be very interested to see how he is now that he's played, you know, in the AHL, in the NHL, how he's able to transition. Because if he goes back to the WHL and he dominates – and that's great for the Seattle crack. And then you bring him back, then you maybe consider burning off a year of his ELC. But if he doesn't live up to that, then you know there's more development. So I think only time will tell. I think the seven-game conditioning loan will say a lot. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, if I had to make a prediction on it, I think that Seattle would end up sending him back to juniors uh, instead of burning off a year of his ELC. 
Interesting. Interesting. I also heard something about uh, Team Canada has games coming up after his conditioning stint. So I would assume that they're going to send him to Team Canada. I, I, I would agree with that, too. Yeah. All right. And there's another player, another young player in sort of a similar situation, but also extremely different. And that's Nick Robertson with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is just. I, I don't know what I don't know what he is. I mean, is he's proven that he's not a full time NHLer, but at the same time, like sending him down, he he's kind of proved that he's above the AHL. So he's kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place. What are your thoughts on Nick Robinson? Nick Robertson. Yeah, he's like that. Uh, he's like that in between between a um, uh, AHL player and an NHL player. You know, he's not good enough for the NHL, but he's too good for the AHL. Right. Um, and he is the brother of Jason Robertson, correct? Yes. Um, so if you're in a family with somebody that good, you know, there's obviously some hockey talent there. Right. And, you know, this wouldn't be the first time that the Toronto Maple Leafs organization has failed at developing their young players. I mean, we've seen it throughout the league, you know, uh, many players that have left Toronto and have had success in other places. And I think Nick Robertson is going to end up being one of them. Um, yeah. Having him down with the Marlies doesn't do anything for him. Doesn't do anything for the Maple Leafs. Uh, and when you look at this Leafs team, they could definitely use some life, you know, in their bottom six. And, you know, even if he's not producing, uh, you know, I don't really think that Nick Robertson would be any worse than what they've had. And if you look at some of their transactions over the last couple of days, Wayne Simmons was waived uh, by the Maple Leafs, you know, so that, you know, opens up a spot. Um, and if you're not opening up a spot by, you know, waving a veteran for a young player, then I'm not exactly sure what Kyle Dubas is doing. Um, so that's just where I'm at with that. I hope he gets his opportunity. And hey, if he gets traded and that allows another team to jump on him, uh, I would love that, especially as a Rangers fan. I mean, I'd love to have uh, Nick Robertson, wouldn't you? Honestly, with the current configuration of this team, yes, I would love to have Nick Robinson. Nick Robertson, actually, Jesus Christ. And two goals, three assists, five points in 11 games with an 11% shooting percentage. I mean, that's not awful. And he's got a plus one, you know, I know plus minus, you know, is an overused stat and I understand that, but that still pretty decent. You know, he's got seven points in 27 games, but five of those seven points have come in his last 11. So, you know, maybe things are trending upward. I mean, he's not a bad player. It's just. He's only 21 years old. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's not over. Yeah, that fans and organizations, you know, on the same level just give up on players in their early 20s. I mean, come on. I mean, if Capo Caco is 25 or 26, or if Nick Robertson is 25, 26, and he's still not, you know, a full-time NHL player, fine, label him a bust. But the guy's in his early 20s. Give Just give him some time. I cannot tell you how many Rangers it has taken them years to develop. Look how long it took Pavel Buchnevich to develop. You want to talk about a similar player to Capo Caco? How many years were we saying, oh, my gosh, he's a third-round pick. Let's just give up on this guy. He's never going to reach his full potential. Now he's a top-six forward. How many times were we saying that about JT Miller, sending him back to the AHL? He scored almost 100 points last year with the Vancouver Canucks. So I just – just the fact that fans just have so much impatience when it comes to young players really bothers me, whether it's on the Rangers' side or the Maple Leaf side. You know, Nick Robertson, Capo Caco, guys on that level, they're not busts. Give them time. Call me in three years and let me see where they're at. But for right now, just let them develop. And Caco's looked really good, by the way, over the last couple of games, might I add. So, you know. Just, just bothers me. Just a little bit of a tidbit I want to put in there. Yeah, honestly, I would love to make this a whole thing about talking smack about the Maple Leafs, but I have a feeling 
we're going to have a much better time to do so later in the season. All right. And on to our last hockey-related topic of the episode. I mean, we are Rangers fans after all. And we literally haven't, well, I mean, I haven't taken the initiative to record a podcast since the start of the season because <laughs> I've just been a lazy piece of shit. So, obviously, we are... Don't degrade yourself like that, Shades. Come on. Eh, I enjoy... Only on the podcast. I do it for entertainment purposes. So, we're 21 games in, and the Rangers are 10-7-4, and and... I would say if there would be one word to describe this team, it is inconsistent. And I'm getting a lot of the same vibes from last year. Not exactly liking that. I'm going to let you take the floor for a couple. Yeah, uh, inconsistent would have been my word too. But uh, I'm going to say underwhelming, actually, to be honest with you. I mean, coming off of a Eastern Conference final appearance, uh, a series in which they led two to zero uh, and could have easily led three to zero um, and could have been a Stanley Cup finalist. It probably wouldn't have beaten the Colorado Avalanche. But my point is high expectations coming into the next season. Uh, and they just have not been able to find any stretch of consistency. I mean, Ryan Strom and Andrew Kopp, two players, left the organization in unrestricted free agency. You replaced them with Vincent Trocek, a move that you and I uh, were very happy about at the time. Of course, Trocek, a guy who, you know, is a little bit of a pest, like a Brad Marchand type of player, you know, adds a little bit more size, you know, down the middle, of course, can win faceoffs, uh, helps in a lot of different areas. But I don't think that the Rangers really thought through the um, what they would be missing without Strom, without Cop, without Vetrano, because all three of those players added such an element to this roster that complemented them so well that helped them reach the Eastern Conference Final. And while Strom missed his fair share of open nets, and while Cop is probably overpaid, and while Vetrano probably scored a lot because he was on a first line alongside Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, those things can be true. But what can also be true is that their absence is what is directly attributing to the Rangers having an underwhelming and subsequently inconsistent start to the season. Um so that's just where I'm at with them. Um, obviously, Trocek has not been able to develop any chemistry with Artemi Panarin. There needs to be another winger on that side. I don't think it's lost on either of us that there needs to be another top four defenseman acquired by this team. And I'm not talking somebody that's going to make a marginal difference. I'm talking about a Jacob Chikrin. That's what they need. They need somebody who's going to be a difference maker and who can bottle up the mistakes by their young players, like your Zach Jones, like your Braden Schneider, like your Keandre Millers, who have taken a severe step back from last year just talking about Miller in that regard maybe Jones a little bit as well I thought Schneider's been fantastic um Igor has taken a little bit of a step back you're getting absolutely nothing out of your backup goaltending spot I mean Yaroslav Hlock is 0-5 and 1 uh you know he gave up a couple soft goals yesterday and of course he wasn't necessarily the range the reason why the Rangers lost to Anaheim um but maybe if he stops a couple of those at least forces it into overtime and then it becomes a skill game you know and that's a matchup that you know you'd be able to win against the Ducks uh, Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad outside of the power play have been a little bit quiet as well. Mika has not been scoring five on five. Kreider might have similar numbers to where he was at this point last year, but I think you and I can agree he's just not making that same impact. Vitaly Kravstov can't stay on the ice. Alexi Lafreniere and Capococco are not consistent enough. Philip Hedl has looked great. The fourth line has been made by committee. Uh, Ryan Reeves has been traded. Gerard Glantz made some questionable lineup decisions. It's just... 
there's just a lot going on with this team and I could go on and on, but they need to figure it out. And I think it starts with the trade deadline, getting a legit top four D man in here and getting somebody to play alongside Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek, a difference maker is what the Rangers need, because if they don't do it, they'll get bounced in the first round. Cause this team as currently constructed is not even remotely close to the team that lost to Tampa in game six. Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm actually really glad you brought up Cop, Strom, and Vetrano. I mean, the only reason, I mean, let's not get lost on the fact of the Tyler Mata acquisition last year. I thought that was huge for them, too. The only reason they were able to get all of those guys is because they had cap space last year. We're kind of constrained at this year, which kind of sucks. But, I mean, let's let's face it, Reeves was basically a cap dump for somebody that you weren't going to play anymore. So, I mean at least they got a fifth round pick for him. I mean, th- that's probably what they should have traded for him, but th- different conversation. I digress. But yeah, like you said, it's just like Kravtsov. Dude, Kravtsov has the worst fucking luck in the world. I swear to God. The guy looked good. Like, the guy looked legitimately good for however old he was at the time. Like a 19, 20-year-old player at the end of the season before Buchnevich got traded. He looked good. He legitimately looked like the third best wing on the team at the tail end of that season. They trade Buchnevich, and then Kravtsov gets sent down, and that is the moment that, it like, that's that messed with him. Like, that legitimately messed with him. Because the... All right, I won't go too far on this tangent, but, I mean, as soon as... Letary made the team over Anderson that one year. I literally could not give a could not give a flying fuck about watching preseason hockey because it just that just proved to me like it really preseason hockey does not matter in the slightest. There are literally two to three roster spots maybe up for grabs. It's not the NFL where most of the roster, excuse me, not most of the roster, but there's a legitimate handful of roster spots to be had in training camp and in preseason. That's not the case with the NHL. There's literally, depending on the team, if you're a cup-worthy team, there's maybe one spot to be had. But I just think that messed with him. Jimmy VC is playing on the top line with Barkley Goodrow playing on the second line. Shoot me. You know, Shades, I I have no issue, to be honest with you, with Jimmy VC on the first line. Uh, Goudreau on the second line, we we can have a conversation about that. But VC on the first line, I just look. Last time Jimmy VC was a Ranger, the one player that you know he played with consistently was Chris Kreider. You know, you know, because the Rangers were going through those same issues, right? You know, failing to have a top line player uh, at the time. Um, so you know, VC has a little bit of chemistry with Kreider, and who else are you going to put in that spot? To be honest with you, you're going to put Sammy Blay, who has bricks in his skates, on the first line. Please don't do that. You're going to put Kravstov on the first line. That's not going to work either. So I just think by process of elimination, I think VC is the best choice. And Barkley Goudreau, I mean, he's not a winger. You know, I mean, he scored last night. Um, you know, playing alongside Trocheck and Panarin, but again, this could not spell out any more obvious that there needs to be a new right wing on that second line. And his name is Patrick Kane. And I've been saying it for months and you need him. You just do if you want to make any sort of an impact uh, in the postseason. But I'll continue to sing that song, you know, throughout the entirety of the season. 
But you can't tell me by looking at VC and Goudreau on the top two lines that they don't need a top six forward, Shades. I mean, come no, on. they definitely they do need a top six forward. Kane or not, they need somebody. They just need somebody. I'd take Vitrano at this point. <laughs> I'll say I would I would like him back. I mean, he looked good for us last year. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna bring up something that is gonna be a little bit alarming. And I don't know if you know this, but I I did this in my head the other day, and I was I should not have thought about this to begin with because I was literally pissed off afterwards. <laughs> so I look at from the moment Gallant took over as coach to now compared to Quinn's last year. Okay. And this is what I came up with. Kreider in general just looked better from a shift to shift basis, even though he wasn't scoring as much. Mika was on that insane goal scoring streak. That was the hottest he's ever been as a player. He hasn't come close to replicating that since the COVID shutdown. And AKA Gallant taking over as coach. That all kind of blends in together. We haven't been able to find a first line right wing since we traded Buchnevich. Panarin looked phenomenal that first season under Quinn. In my opinion, he hasn't looked the same since. Well, second line center, I mean, Trocek's 21 games in, he gets half of a pass. Two, six, we have we also haven't been able to figure out second line right wing, which again, we need to make a freaking move for the love of God. Third line is actually third line has improved. That is the one area of the team where I will legitimately give them credit. How can you not when you have developing Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kaka? Fourth line has just been makeshift for, I feel like, the last 10 years. <laughs> would you agree with that in particular, that small? Yes, I would. I would think, yeah. Truba, in my opinion, looked his best the first season under Quinn as a Ranger. I thought, I think he's looked like pretty terrible this year, to be honest with you. Miller, he's kind of stagnated this year compared to last year. Lindgren and Fox, in my opinion, haven't had the same impact since their rookie season together. I mean, Igor is Igor. I mean, Igor is Igor. He, he, like, he's literally the heart and soul of this team. Backup goalie, this is our worst backup goalie we've had in a, probably since before I started watching the Rangers. And Andre Pavlich was better than Halak. Yes, he was. Andre, dude, Andre Pavlich was legitimately. He wasn't bad as he a was Ranger. He was a he was a decent backup. He had like a nine ten save percentage. Something you know, he was not a bad backup. I honestly, I thought he should have gotten a little bit more credit than he deserved. But I mean, look who he followed. He retired right uh, after. Uh, he might have Rangers, but uh, well, real quick. And just, one last thing, yeah. our five on five play has not taken a step forward in the slightest. Like I, I told you, I was pissed off after I thought about this last night, and it's just, it's frustrating. So, are you sitting here on Thanksgiving Day saying that if you put this roster under David Quinn's head coaching, that they would be better than they are right now under Glenn? This roster under Quinn is better than this roster under Glenn. I have to go with, like, I have to go with no. But at the same time, I like the main point of my thing was Galan has been very underwhelming as a coach, which I hate to say. 
but that that's been the truth of the matter so far. And I'm glad that you said it, Shades, because you're echoing a lot of what I'm seeing too. You know, Panarin has not looked like the same player. I 1000% agree with you on that. The fourth line is by committee, uh, you know, and I think there's just a lot of bad contracts on this team. You know, I don't really care that he's the captain, to be honest. Jacob Truba, for the way he's been playing $8 million, please, you shouldn't be making four and a half. Like, you know, like seriously, for what he brings to the team. I mean, outside of those few hits and, you know, those game-changing plays in the playoffs, he has not really provided anything of substance. As and honestly, yeah, I agree with you. And Miller has been honestly so much better defensively than him. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. he's, he's getting dragged down. He is getting dragged down. And um, yeah, Mika does not even look close to the same player. I mean, he's a power play specialist at this point, right? Isn't he? I mean, yeah, that's how it feels. and that's another thing, right? That I just want to get off my chest. I mean, can we try a different play? That's not the slap shot for Mika just in the left circle on the power play, because I think every single team is setting up for that and they know that it's coming. Maybe Fox can shoot the puck and look for a deflection from the best tipper in front of the net in the league and Chris Kreider. Maybe you can get Artemi Panarin involved a little bit more uh, on the power play. I mean, it's just so predictable. And maybe, just maybe, if they had tried something a little different last night, they would have been tied in that game, uh, converted on a couple other early power play chances. But uh, I agree with you. You know, I think Lance has been really underwhelming, and there's a reason why he's gotten ousted from the last two places that he's coached. I mean, Thank you. Florida left him in a taxi cab, right? And Vegas was just like, yeah, you know, we're just going to hire Pete DeBoer, even though we're a Stanley Cup contender. So they got rid of him. And you got to ask yourself, why? why was that the case? You know, and... So it raises a couple question marks and, you know, it makes me think at least, are we going the Elaine Vigneault route, right? You know, Elaine Vigneault in his first couple of years, he got the Rangers to the cup final in 2014, got into the Eastern conference final the next year. And then suddenly we were into a rebuild. So, you know, <laughs> it's just, we cannot find the right head coach. And I think recycling through everybody else's trash maybe is not the right way to go. I mean, look at the Boston Bruins. I mean, they hired Jim Montgomery, who of course, was in a unique situation coming off of his alcohol addiction, you know, and getting himself back on the road to recovery. But he was a young coach. He was somebody who coached the University of Denver, had one year, two years of NHL head coaching experience with the Stars, and he has come in and taken that roster and made it into the best in the league. So, you know, maybe maybe don't go to the old gentlemen's club, like is the way with the NHL, especially with head coaches in that carousel. Um, and uh, I'll be waiting on the day that Glant uh, heads out because I think the team – once that day happens, we'll be much better off for it. Yeah, no, I agree. I full wholeheartedly agree with what you said about there being some bad contracts. I think it goes more towards it the makeup of the roster. Like there need like this team literally needs a Joe Sackich, Matt Duchesne type of trade for this roster to wake up. They do. Would you agree with that? No, I would agree with that uh, for sure. And let's just run through it. I mean, what would you change, right? You know, I mean, are well, you, you you know my thoughts on Chris Kreider? So, all the fans at home, give them okay. Your... Yeah, I'll tell them. Uh, I'm sick and tired of him doing absolutely nothing 95% of every game. And if he's not tipping anything in, he's rarely scoring. Okay. That's a fair point. So, you're not in favor of the contract, I guess you would say, the, the six and a half million that he's making. Okay. I understand why they kept him because he was one of the longest tenured players on the team. But I mean, for a first line player, 
and a supposed captain of the team, you got to do more shift to shift. You have to show more heart and put more effort in shift to shift. I mean, that's fair. Like, yeah, I'm kind, I'm kind of getting sick of him at this point because like literally if he's not scoring on the power play or if he's not deflecting things in front or to the side of the net, he's rarely using his speed to make plays. Now, don't get me wrong. I've actually think he's been doing more of that this year compared to last year. And that's not saying much because I don't think he's doing it much at all this year either. But I mean, like something's got to change. Like part of me thinks he's dragging Mika down. He could be. And, you know, I hope Mika uh, doesn't come to that realization. I mean, they're the best, two best friends that anybody could have, right? Mika and, and Kreider. <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean hey how can you complain though when he puts up 51 goals you know you know that's that, the only that, thing that kept him on the team in my opinion yeah because uh, i think if he would have had like another 25 goal season they would have been like yeesh like why are we paying this guy right right and they're not entirely sure what to do i think that there needs to be legitimate change of shades i agree with you uh you know just I, and again those small little adjustments i feel like they really you know, ran into lightning in a bottle when uh, they found lightning in a bottle when they traded for Cop and, and Vetrano last year at the deadline. Those were the two exact players that they needed. You know, they didn't overpay. They didn't, you know, they didn't go to the bottom of the barrel. They got the two players that they absolutely needed, Tyler Mott too. So I think they just need to replicate that at this year's deadline. And hey, you know, I might be crazy for saying this. I have faith in Chris Drury. I just do. His last few trades have been pretty good. You know, fifth round pick for Reeves. Okay, I'll take that, to be honest. And you get his cap off, you know, get a first round pick for Niels Lundqvist. You know, I'm okay with that too. So, you know, I have faith that he'll make the right moves come the deadline. Yeah, I'm praying to God that he made the right decision to trade Niels. Because with the way Truba's looked this season, it's uh, unsettling, to say the least. <laughs> I agree. Now, granted, they're two different types of players, but I mean, still. But yeah, it's just like they need to make a move. And my only concern about like trading for Patrick Kane is that's one hole filled. There's multiple holes on this roster. And if they tr do trade for Patrick Kane, unless they're sending like Barkley Goodrow back the other way, that's the only move they're going to be able to make. And they most likely won't be able to address the defense if they make that move, which is something that you and I both agree with that they need to address as well. I would even go as far to say that maybe Drury should try to fix them both in one trade. How about a Chikrin and Barrett Hayton package? I'll take them. You know, What would we have to give up for that, though? That's the only question. Hayton's reaching butts, bus territory. You know, they're really getting to that point where they're just like, all right, we drafted this guy number four overall. I believe he was drafted in 2017. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Um, but uh, Hayden's a real tough physical player who had a good year in the AHL. Um, you know, just hasn't been able to put it together on the NHL level. I just think getting a young guy in there, someone who can complement your bottom six while also getting the best defenseman on the market. If you're going to pay a lot for Chikrin, Get somebody else too. Get yourself a Hayton. Get yourself a Lawson Kraus. Get yourself somebody. That's kind of where I'm at. He it was 2018. 2018. Number number five. Number five in 2018. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna hold anything against Hayton in general because I just think that the Coyotes under John Chaka were 
the one of the worst drafting teams in the league. He had, yeah, he had 24 points in 60 games last year with the Coyotes, you know, and that's given all the chances in the world. 10 points in 26 AHL games in 2020, you know. No bueno, no bueno. Maybe a loss in Krause, just somebody, you know. Yeah, no. You just need an injection of life. But but my point is, try to get your defenseman, try to get your forward in the same trade. Maybe a Yoki Haru and Patrick Kane combination, something like that. You know, like there's options. So we'll see. Yeah, but uh, you and I definitely in agreement that this team does need to make a major change because what they have now just simply is not working. And it's also unfortunately proving that last season was a fluke. <laughs> I wouldn't say last year was a fluke. I, I, I would. I this Here's why like I say that. Because like. The... That's just it. Yeah, here's also why I say that it's because like this season specifically is also showing that the foundation of the team is flawed. I agree with that. I do agree with that. The captain is flawed. The, you know, their main contracts are flawed. Crider's contract is flawed. Truba's contract is flawed. You know, Panarin's contract at the moment looks flawed. It is, you know, I wouldn't go as far to say Mika's is flawed as of yet, but you know, eight and a half million for not providing any five on five production you know, I don't want to be the one to say it, you know, Vincent Trocek, you know, you kind of expect him, you know, to kind of expect somebody when they're on a line with Artemi Panarin to kind of find that instant chemistry has not really happened. You know, we talk about the prospects over and over, you know, you have two contracts on the fourth line. And I think at this point, maybe the Rangers would like to get rid of and Sammy Blay and Ryan Carpenter, you know, especially when you look at, you know, kind of how they're going to have to maneuver around the cap, especially come to trade deadline. So, and also I think it can't get lost on the fact that, you know, as much shit as he got, during his tenure as a Ranger, Alexander Georgiev was a really good backup goaltender. And he was a big reason why we won some games that we shouldn't have last year. And I think, you know, going, having such a significant downgrade from Georgiev to Halak, you know, that makes a big difference too. So it's just all those things that we've talked about this entire episode, Shades, coming together as to why this team is mired in being consistently inconsistent. Yeah, like, I think a major reason why they were able to sustain success last year is because all of those problems like showed themselves one by one. And it it felt like they were all one at a time this season. It literally, like you said, everything at once. Right. Everything is coming down at once for sure. Injuries too. You know, we haven't been hammered too much by the injury bug. And also my last point on the Rangers, I just want to say, I'm glad somebody finally said it and I'm glad it was you shades Fox and Lindgren. They just, what happened? They just don't look the same. I, I just, you know, Fox, Fox is Fox. Fox has the best IQ of any player in the or any defenseman in the NHL, in my opinion. You know, he may not have the skating ability of a Kel McCarr to be able to deke and score fancy goals like Kel McCarr can, but he is just such a smart hockey player. But that pairing, I just, something's just not working for me. I mean, what are you seeing out of them? I mean, it's just, they just don't look like a true number one pairing that a Stanley Cup contender needs. They just don't. Not, they don't look the same. Like yeah. their rookie seasons together, that I mean, they look great, and yeah. it just hasn't been the same since. And again, like we go back to the coaching change, could that have something to do with it? I'd be very interested to see how the locker room, uh, you know, is feeling about Galant, you know, and now that there's no Reeves anymore, 
And, you know, just a little bit of that rock, locker room camaraderie just comes down a little bit. And, you know, team morale maybe is a little bit low, you know, handing Anaheim their first regulation win. You know, when does that frustration begins to boil a little bit, you know? And maybe I, I don't want to suggest coaching change, but, you know, I, I predicted year three of, of this four-year contract is when Galanth would be, uh, would be ousted. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's earlier. I mean... Stan, I wouldn't say Stanley Cup or bust for the Rangers this year, but you want to see improvement. And the fact of the matter is when you bowed out was in the Eastern Conference final. And if you're going to improve, there's only one more place to go. And if Glant can't take you there, then Drury needs to realize that. Yeah, the only like. All right. Now, now for the last thing. I mean, like everybody's making a big thing about trots, but like we all know tr- as soon as you hire trots, offense is going to get is probably going to go down, which is I, exactly I what this team does not need. Yeah, you think offense is dried up now. I mean, come on. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that is our uh that's our discussion on the Rangers and hockey for this episode. So story time. Let's hear it. I'm excited. I've been All right. So so Saturday night, AEW full gear out in Newark. I t- it was actually really easy to get there by the path train. Like if you ever need to go, it's actually very easy to get there. Okay. So the show goes on. It was a very good show. I enjoyed, did a lot of yelling. I was sitting next to two girls, both named Rachel, ironically, who were also huge wrestling fans. So that's a I thought that was funny in its own right. But that's not even part of the story. <laughs> so there's these two guys sitting in the row in front of me, like three to four or four to five seats to the right. And They've been drinking. One is very coherent. And then the other one before the show was even over, you could tell was just gone because he was just starting to like he was just starting to yell shit where I'm like, all right, this guy needs to calm down. Mm -hmm. So the show ends. We all have a good time walking up to the concourse. I get on the bathroom line. Lo and behold, the two guys that I tried to make conversation with because he he said something and then I commented on it. Of course, those have to be the two guys that are sitting in the row. And I'm just like, okay, the one guy's coherent. Good. The other one, gone. <laughs> totally gone. I'm talking about barely standing, stumbling around, like getting lost easily, going up to random people saying random shit, almost falling down like every 10 seconds. Like it, it was pretty bad. So for whatever reason, we got to talking me and the coherent guy and they were both going back to Penn station. And I'm just like, you know what? I've never taken, like, this is my first time coming here. I've never taken the train back. So I made the conscious decision to go with both of these guys. Okay. And yeah. So immediately, like we get out of the bathroom to leave immediately. The drunk friend gets lost and he has to go find them. And I'm just like, Oh my God. So if it if this wasn't like fucked from the very beginning, I don't know if I, I just don't know. So he finds him, the coherent friend. We walk out. We got to walk back to the train station. The drunk friend is like going in the street, stumbling around, gets lost again on the way to the train. And he is eventually found again. And of course, like the way that we came out of the train station to go there, that door is locked. So we got to go all the way around. 
Oh my goodness. And we get like into the station, initially go to the wrong track. And we realized that we were in the wrong spot. So we, you know, we pivoted and went back the right way. I ended up paying like $2 for a New Jersey light rail ticket. I don't know. It was like, I was very tired and I was actually stone sober. So that one's on me, but I ended up at $2 is $2, whatever. But we go halfway down the stairs to the wrong track before we realize, I don't know how this guy didn't fall down the stairs. So we initially, so then we go and make our way to the right track, which was like all the way on the other side of the station, almost literally. So we get to that platform. The drunk friend is like stumbling near the tracks. The coherent friend literally needs to get him and like puts him near the wall. And then while he's on the wall, he, he does like that sit standing thing. Mm -hmm. So like at that point, he's good. So then me and the coherent friend, we start we start getting into a conversation with two other guys on the train platform. All five of us just happen to be New York Jets fans. So we get into a conversation about the Jets, about the game against the Patriots the following morning. Ugh, I'm still pissed about that game. So then we're we're having a nice conversation, the four of us. And then the drunk friend stumbles, knocks over the large iced coffee one of the two guys we're talking to has. And it was just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that happened. And then there's coffee. There's like a puddle of coffee, a pool of coffee. It's like, it was, it was just like, what the hell? So we, the train comes like two, three minutes after that we get on those two guys split from us probably because of the coffee. thing. Right. <laughs> These crazy guys. Yeah. yeah. And then we finally get the drunk friend, like in the middle between the two of us. And like, he's good from that point on okay mostly good because he's so gone he's just like bro you got like a, a nice set of hair and then he like starts petting me okay interesting so, yeah no he was that drunk he he was that drunk so then i'm literally talking to the other friend the whole way home about wrestling it was actually a very nice conversation guy ended up being a really nice guy so we get back to penn station we get off the train we start walking the drunk friend realizes he left his phone on the train. Oh my gosh. So he literally runs back to the train. It had already left. It had already left. So oh, he no. lost his phone. That's not fun. Yeah. It, no. And he, he was pretty mad. He started punching the walls and shit after that. I stayed, <laughs> I kept my distance at that point. So, by the way, I thought this guy was going to punch me at one point while we were waiting for the train still in Jersey. Luckily, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, so he runs to the train. Phone's not, like, the train's gone. He comes back. I stay together with these guys for two minutes before we have to split paths for the night. And then I actually, after all of that, I actually had good luck with the E-Train. Like, I had to wait for a little bit, but it was going local all the way to where I needed to take it. So I'm just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and lo and behold, I got home in one piece at, like, 2.30 in the morning. You know, you're a good Samaritan, Shades. I think that's uh, that, that's what this story shows. Even though he lost his phone, uh, somebody that inebriated in the train station in Newark could have easily lost his life. And uh, he didn't. Uh, and yeah, he's lucky his friend was with him. 
Did, did you get the contact number of his friend? I mean, or something like that, or just to find out how he is? No, I didn't. No, I didn't ask for anything. Right. Although knowing those two, I might see them at another AEW event. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I thought you were going a different direction when you were telling me about the Rachels, but uh, no. Although but like, I did find out that one of them has a podcast. That's what's up. A wrestling podcast. That's cool. Yeah, so I might actually have to check that out one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that was my story of getting home from <laughs> from New Jersey on Sounds Saturday like night. Typical, typical wrestling event on a Saturday night. Yeah, and the only reason I ended up taking the train back to begin with is because Ubers were like $170 straight home. And I said, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yeah. I could have taken an Uber back from like Penn Station for like 40 but I was just like, I might as well just wait for the E-train at this point. <laughs> Right, right. Just take the subway for sure. Yeah. So, moral of the story: you and I need to get to a wrestling event. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You say the word. I mean, uh, it's funny. Uh, AEW came to Savannah uh, a couple weeks before I showed up. Um, I would have been able to go if uh, if I was here at the time. But hopefully, they'll come back. And when they do, uh, you know, either I'll come up to New York or we'll meet somewhere in the middle or something. But uh, I definitely need to get myself to another wrestling event. I think the last one I was at. It was the AEW Dynamite where Punk called out MJF. Um, it was in, I think it might have been in New Jersey or, or in Brooklyn. Oh, so that's back in like January, February. Yeah, yeah, it was a little while ago. So uh, uh, it's been a minute, um, but uh, I miss it for sure. I've been to two Dynamites uh, and, of course, a lot of WWE shows. So, you know, we'll see. Okay. Two Dynamites and now the trifecta for a pay-per-view for me. Yeah. That's what's up. Now I got to get to a live Rampage, but we'll see about that. Well, isn't Rampage and Dynamite, aren't they? Uh, Most of the time, they're taped the same night. Okay, they're taped the same night. For me, it's just like, it becomes a lot of wrestling. I don't know about you, like seven hours. You know, sometimes it gets a little bit mentally exhausting. Oh, yeah, especially pay-per-view weeks. And I love how, like, I know we're a hockey podcast, but this is story time, damn it. MJF had like the best two minutes of the entire media scrum afterwards. And then it was just so goddamn boring. After yeah. It was so boring. It was not, uh, it was not brawl out. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. You're a champ though. You stayed the whole time. That's good. Oh, I had to, you kidding me? Dude, yeah. it was the first pay-per-view in the area. And I like, I was planning to go to the original blood and guts, but you know, the pandemic. So oh, I had to get to this. February? Show. I yeah, had the, to that the one too. that was supposed to be in yeah. March of 2020. I had tickets to that. Yeah. <sighs> Stupid pandemic it ruined everything. That was uh oh my gosh. Oh my god, don't tell me. I know I know who was fighting in that. It was uh Jericho's group, right? What were they called again? Inner Circle. Inner Circle against the the elite, right? Good. Oh, that was going to be such a good match. It's going to be such a good match. There was going to be so much blood. <laughs> I will admit, though, what we got was entertaining as all hell. What did you guys end up getting? It was... Stadium Stampede. Ah, Stadium Stampede. <laughs> Dude, so much fun. So much that. fun. Was that when, um, didn't something happen to Matt Hardy in that match? Like, uh, like didn't he do something? Or like, wasn't there some like a little bit of an incident between? Oh, no, him and Guevara. Him and Sammy? Yeah, right, different yeah. pay-per-view. 
not different pay per view. No. See, it's all getting it's all getting jumbled up together. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, trust me, I know the feeling. I can't remember what happened the week freaking before on one of the only shows I watched. That's how bad my memory's getting. <laughs> and I'm only 26. I hate being old. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's just about it. We've touched about everything we wanted to touch on and I, and you heard a good story. So yeah. thank you everyone for listening. This has been, Pucks and Brews, and as always, I forget to look up the damn episode number because that's kind of, I, I guess that's just becoming my thing now. This has been episode number 27. Good number. Good number. Yeah. yeah uh, thank you very much for watching or listening. Uh, follow us on all of our socials listed in the description below. As you can tell, it's been a while since I've done this. Uh, Liam, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, let's hope the Rangers get their shit together. Let's hope. Let's hope. Only time will tell. Yeah. And uh, let's in- enjoy some hockey in the meantime. Sure. I need coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, by the way, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, Liam. Thank uh, you. you too. Let's feast. Let's feast. Absolutely. Good. That's a good way to end it.